God's righteousness. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, as is our custom, when we start a new series, we want to go back to our foundational text, the text that uh, I really believe God laid on my heart uh, back in early March as far as what he wanted to do through the, uh, the members of the Ark Fellowship. And uh, it's found in Isaiah 41. But first, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit. We give him room to operate tonight. We open up our hearts to him who removes the burdens and destroys the yokes. Have your way, Holy Spirit. You know the needs of your people, the corporate needs and the individual needs. You know the word that would bring deliverance to the captive, sight to the blind. Move as you would. Glorify the Father and reveal Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our foundational text that we have been using is found in Isaiah chapter 41. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read uh, from 41 verses 10 through 15. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So we're talking about God's righteousness tonight, understanding God's righteousness. So that's part of what God is wanting to do in our lives, is to give us divine revelation concerning and understanding of his righteousness. Verse 11, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. That's talking about the powers of darkness that are endeavoring to keep us away from our inheritance. God says uh, he's going to confound them, By the power of his Holy Spirit, put them to shame, and God says they shall be as nothing in our lives. In other words, they're they're going to be insignificant. They're going to come against us, but we're going to overcome them every single time. Can I get an amen? amen? Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them. Even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and you men of Israel. And he's talking to the New Testament church also. And I will help thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, And the Holy One of Israel. And behold, I will make of you a new sharp, a new sharp threshing instrument, 
having teeth, and thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and thou shalt make the hills as shafts. So it's the will of God in this season to make us dangerous to the devil. That's been our confession. Through divine revelation of who we are in Christ and those things that have been freely given to us through the new birth and through the eternal life that we have through faith in Christ. This is where God wants to take us, I really believe, in this season, both corporately and individually. He wants us to experience his power like never before. He wants us to experience his, his uh, authority like never before. And he wants us to make a divine impact in our generation for his kingdom glory. But it will be all be done through revelation of who we are in Christ. And so this teaching tonight, talking about understanding God's righteousness, is a vital part of that. Without a true understanding of our right standing with God through Christ Jesus, we will be hesitant to take our place as new creatures in Christ Jesus. You have to understand that God is on our side. And he has anointed us and called us in this season because he has done something in us through Jesus Christ that cannot be overcome by any force of darkness. We are the righteousness of God. Amen. The child of God needs to really get a hold of that revelation and daily recognize that we have this breastplate of righteousness, a spiritual shield, so to speak, that causes us to uh, be protected over any wrong thoughts of weakness, any wrong thoughts of defeat. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And notice I said in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, this is going to be a, a series of teachings, and uh, I really believe God's going to bless us with, the, with his word concerning righteousness or God's righteousness. So in order for us to understand God's righteousness, we must understand unrighteousness and its origin. To truly understand God's righteousness the imputed righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus, it's imperative that we understand have, or have a revelation of what unrighteousness is and where it began in its origin. So I want to start tonight, I'm going to go real slow initially, Genesis chapter 2. Let's go there. Genesis chapter 2, understanding unrighteousness and its origin. Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. So God told man that he could eat freely of every tree of the garden, except, verse 17 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God's command to mankind, or Adam and Eve, 
was that they would, were to uh, could eat from the tree of every tree in the garden except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they ate from that tree, God says they would surely die. In other words, God says the curse is going to come upon you if you uh, disobey me in this area. Okay? Now, let's look here at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit up thereof and did eat. Somebody say she did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. So she gave to her husband, first, first of all, she ate. And she gave to her husband, and he did eat. And it was at that moment they both died spiritually. And they both became unrighteous at that moment. Okay? So mankind was, before they sinned, they were innocent. They had a right standing with God before they sinned. But the moment they ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they became unrighteous. The moment they ate from God's tree, and that's what I call that, that was God's tree. They became thieves and unrighteous because that tree didn't belong to them. God had told them you can eat from every tree of the garden except that one. And when they did that, it was stealing, number one. But also it became, and they disobeyed the order of God, they became unrighteous. And they passed that curse to every man. Man became unrighteous, and man man became unfit for fellowship with with a holy God. Now we need to understand something before we go further. I don't believe we really have a revelation of how holy God is. God is holy and pure. And I mean, our natural mind really cannot comprehend it. He is that glorious and pure. And uh, nothing that is unpure can stand in his presence. I mean, it's, it's impossible for that to happen. So when mankind became, uh, when he sinned and became unrighteous, he became unfit for fellowship with God. Now I want to go through a couple of verses of Scripture to kind of get our minds and have an understanding of how holy God is. Because it's, it's important that we re- realize that. That God is perfectly holy and pure, and we 
because of sin, cannot really fellowship with him outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at something and kind of get our, our, our eyes on the holiness of God before we go further. Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So Isaiah saw a vision. He says, And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he did fly. And he cried one unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So the seraphims cried to each other after they, when they saw, when they see God's holiness. And they cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Our God is holy. Amen. Uh, it's imperative that we realize how holy he is and everything that he had to do through Christ to make us righteous so that we could fellowship with him. Uh, Let's go to Revelations chapter 4. The purity of God is beyond human comprehension. It really and truly is. The scriptures can only kind of give us a little bit of insight into how holy God is. The only way we're really going to know how holy he is is the day that we stand before him. The day that we get to heaven and really see the glory of our God. But the scripture says here in Revelations chapter 4, verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf and the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts each had on them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest night, day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So this beast, the Bible said, they, they cease not day and night, constantly able to see the glory of God, constantly able to see the holiness of God. And, and, and they constantly, the Bible says, say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Day and night, they rest not day and Think about that. In the spirit realm, they see God as he truly is. And it, 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 it causes them to constantly praise him because they're in that atmosphere of glory. 
And that's where, that's where God dwells and that's where he lives. And nothing that is impure can enter into that holiness or into that presence. So that's how holy God is. These living beasts, these living creatures with all of these eyes, they see him and, all, and, and they're awed by him. And all they can do is say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's the God that we serve. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We have so much to be thankful for in terms of the new birth, in terms of our relationship with God through Christ. Exodus 33, verse 20. God, talking to Moses here, Moses has a desire to get closer to God, to become more intimate with God. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a good thing. And he said, this is what God told him when Moses said, I want to see you. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. That's what God was telling Moses. And I wrote this down. God told Moses, in your fallen condition, if you see my face, you cannot live. I am holy and righteous. And, you know, Moses, as close as he was to God, he did not have an understanding of how holy God was. Because he never would have asked to be in his presence had he known. He, he had a desire, but he didn't understand the purity of God. The fact that he would ask to see God's face. He, he, had a, he didn't have a revelation of the purity of God and the impurity of mankind. Okay. Uh, it's when you begin to understand God's righteousness that we begin to understand everything that God had to do for us to give, make us have relationship with, with him through Jesus. Moses was a great servant of God, and God used him mightily. Moses did a lot of righteous things. Don't y'all agree? But that did not earn him righteousness in the sight of God. Moses was used mightily by God, and, and uh, he was the friend of God. But no matter what Moses did in his life and in his ministry, that did not make him righteous. Matter of fact, nobody in the Old Covenant or under the Old Covenant was considered righteous in the sight of God. They did righteous things, but they could not share a relationship with God in terms of experiencing God's righteousness like we have in the New Covenant. 
So it's important that we really understand that. Isaiah chapter 64, let's go there. I think this will bring it even more to our understanding in terms of how far we are away from God outside of Christ. Isaiah says, but we are all has an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So what is that, what is that saying? That's saying that on my best day, it's like filth in the sight of God. Okay? Uh, the fact that we are in relationship with God is a miracle in itself. And the scriptures is letting us know our condition outside of Christ is a hopeless condition. Because he is, God is so holy that my best work cannot stand in his presence. Okay. That's why it's so important to understand the power of the blood of Jesus and the victory that it gives us. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 3 and let's look at it even further. Because Paul is going to talk about that. And we're probably going to spend quite a bit of time here. So my righteousness, anything that I can produce outside of God, outside of Christ, it's nothing. It means nothing. Romans 3. And verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> Get straight to the point. This is no, that there's nobody outside of their relationship with Jesus Christ that is righteous. I can preach a thousand sermons every Sunday. I can stand up here in this pulpit and preach every Wednesday. And how many of y'all know that's a good work, but that does not make me righteous in the sight of God. Okay? It's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but it does not make me righteous in the sight of God. That's why the Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. It goes on even further here in verse 11. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. That's an amazing indictment right there. It says there's nobody that will seek after God except by the power of the Holy Ghost. Except by the influence of the Holy Ghost. None of us would uh, seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, all, they are together become unprofitable. 
There is none that doeth good. No, not one. <laughs> it's going to get better. <laughs> Y'all kind of looking at me like, oh man, this is a downer. But this is the truth. This is the truth. This is what God wants us to understand so that we can really and truly begin to value God's righteousness and our access to it through the new covenant. He says here, I'm going to read verse 12 again because that was good. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues have they used deceit. The poison of snakes is under their lips. My God. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery is in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. All of those verses are, is fallen man's condition. That's what happened in that garden. That's what... The, the disobedience brought all of that upon mankind. Now we have to say amen to that if we're going to really experience the depths of God's righteousness. We have to recognize that everything that we produce on our own without the anointing of the Holy Spirit without the power of the Holy Spirit is nothing in the sight of God. It means nothing because of uh, the fallen nature and the, and the broken soul that came upon mankind in his rebellion in the garden. Let's look at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith it said to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. <laughs> How many of y'all know as a, as, a, as a child of God, you're not under the law anymore? Amen. So because you're not under the law anymore, you're not guilty because the Bible says you're not. I'm going to read that again. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may be guilty before God. Those who are not in covenant relationship with God are in the sight of God guilty. I don't care if uh, they uh, do good deeds. I don't care if they give to the to the hospitals and build wings in the, on, in the hospitals, spend all this money on good things like that. None of that can earn them a righteous place in the sight of God. Verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So I can never do enough to earn right standing with God. Don't care what I do. I can never do enough. Now, I want you to hold your finger there, and I want to go to James chapter 2. All, all we're doing tonight is kind of laying the foundation of what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. But it just, we just want to re- get a real revelation of our need for God's righteousness. James chapter 2, verse 10. I was looking at verse 20. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So that means I can be righteous nine times and miss it that tenth time and it makes me unrighteous because of my inability to be perfect. Right? So that's where we stand. If I offend in one point, God says, you're guilty of all of it. That is our condition. The only one who kept the law perfectly was Jesus Christ. He's the only man that ever did it. Okay? So God's trying to get us, he's trying to get us to the point where we recognize that without him doing something for us through Christ, we are helpless. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3 again. And we'll pick up at verse 21. So there's nobody who's righteous. None of my good deeds can, can, can make me right or have right standing with God. But the good news is here in verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Now is equivalent to the new covenant righteousness which has been restored to mankind. That's what the Bible is saying. Now, right now, because of Jesus Christ, we now have right standing with God outside of our works. We now can approach God and have fellowship with God and be righteous in the sight of God and not guilty anymore because of Jesus Christ. Because it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets or or the word of God. Even the righteousness... Of God, which is by what? Faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them, what? That believe. For there is no difference. So, what is that saying? That's saying that my faith in Christ Jesus, the moment I make him my Lord and Savior, and receive him as my Savior, through faith, God takes away the unrighteousness that I had and gives me 
his own righteousness. Amen. I can now approach God and I am now fit to have fellowship with God throughout all of eternity through the eternal life that's been given to us through Christ Jesus. So shame is no longer my portion. I don't have to hide from God. Like Adam and Eve did in the garden, I don't have to hide from God. Because God has done something through Christ that enables me to have fellowship with a pure and holy God anytime I want, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, hallelujah, by the blood of Christ. This is how powerful the blood of Christ is, and this is how powerful God's righteousness is in our lives. When we understand it, when we begin to grasp the reality of what has been done for us through Christ Jesus. And it's apart from anything that I can come up with on my own. Nothing wrong with good works. God, we were created to do good works. But the good works do not save us. The the good works do not give us fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I don't know about you, but I don't do good works very good. I miss it. I miss it. And I need to have an understanding that when I miss it, that I'm still righteous in his sight. Somebody needs to hear that. So. God's righteousness is received only through faith in Christ. Hmm. So let's read verse 22 again. For the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. I'm going to underline that in my Bible. Those who believe. See, if I don't have a, a belief... In the power of the finished work of Christ, even though God's made me righteous, I won't benefit very much from that righteousness because I'll be still looking at myself as one in Adam as opposed to being in Christ. See, Adam Adam was unrighteous because of what he did. But we're no longer in Adam anymore once we receive Jesus Christ. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the, the Bible says, into the kingdom of God's dear son. And we are now the righteousness of God and we have access to all of the inheritance that's in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to be ashamed of the blessing. I don't have to be hesitant to walk in it. Because God has made me fit to experience him and the power of his resurrection through Jesus Christ. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's just the truth. We all have sinned and we come short of the glory of God. 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. I got that in my notes. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 before we go to verse 24. Ephesians chapter 1. Somewhere along the line in, in, in teaching, I'm going to get to Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. So because of what God has done for us through Christ, and because God has made us righteous in his sight, the Bible says here in Ephesians 1 and 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, you know the Bible says by grace we're saved, right? Through faith. Wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved. Now, the way that I, I, I see that verse of Scripture, and I, I've meditated on that for many years. And the way I see that verse of Scripture when it says we're accepted in the beloved, that's saying this to me. That uh, the way that God loves Jesus, that's how he loves me. See, I've been, not because I deserve it, but because I've been accepted by God and God loves me with his divine love just as much as he loves Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed that in the 17th chapter of the book of John. That you would love them as you have loved me. So divine revelation of that causes me to begin to experience the things that God wants me to experience in this generation. Because I begin to recognize, because I'm in right standing with God, I can experience everything that Jesus died on the cross that, I could, that I'm supposed to experience. The fullness of the inheritance is mine because I'm loved by God and because I'm right in his sight. Not because of me, but because of him, Jesus Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption. I've been redeemed. The scripture tells us over and over and over. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We got to learn to speak it out of our mouth. Because see... Here's, the reason we don't is because we don't feel redeemed. We don't, it, it, our natural mind rejects that. Our carnal mind rejects that because we know us. Yeah. We have a, a revelation of us and the things we've done and the things that we, we're even doing now. But the Bible says because of the blood of Christ, because of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, we have we've been redeemed. In whom we have a redemption. We're not going to be redeemed. We are redeemed through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the, I love this, the riches of his grace. God's rich in mercy and he's rich in grace, the Bible says. Wherein, verse 8, wherein he had abounded this grace toward us, in all wisdom and prudence. That word prudence means understanding. In other words, God knew what he was doing when he made us righteous. He knew our condition. 
but he knew the power of the blood of his son. And what it would cause us to experience in terms of relationship with a holy God. God had to, he had to do something to us in order for him to fill us with himself. Think about that. He had to give us a new spirit so that he could fill us with his Holy Spirit. That in itself, when we begin to think about it, we begin to understand God did a miracle in terms of giving us access to him in that way. And, and unrighteous people have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus and have access to the holy deity of heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not just in this generation, but throughout the eons of eternity. That's our portion. A lot of times we don't appreciate that here because of our carnal nature, because of our lack of understanding of the purity of God. But the more we begin to understand the purity of God, the more we can give Him praise because of what He's done through Jesus Christ for us. How many of y'all know Jesus didn't go to the cross for Himself? He went to the cross for us. Because we needed it. Wherein he had abounded toward us, <laughs> this grace, the riches of his grace, they abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Go back to Romans 3 again. See, I don't know about you, but when I begin to study the Bible... This like like this is dessert. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the good part. Because it just it shows me the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Verse twenty-four. Being justified freely by his grace. Through, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Again, the total focus of all of our righteousness is Jesus Christ. Our eyes have to be fixed upon him or else we will deem ourselves unworthy. See, we, when, we, when we see Jesus, we begin to recognize that he's worthy. But through his righteousness, he has made us righteous and we have access to everything that he has access to because of that. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has sent forth to be a preparation through faith, or that word means a substitute, through faith in his blood. So my faith in his blood, my faith in the victory of his cross, my faith in the power of his resurrection causes me now to experience the things that God wants me to experience. Because I have now a revelation of my right standing with God. 
and that I'll never be rejected because of the blood of Christ Jesus. It's almost too good to believe, but it's true. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness. I'm going to underline that. His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. Paul writing and saying, in this dispensation, in this new covenant, we have a righteousness that King David only dreamed about. We have a, a, a relationship with God that the prophet Isaiah, though he prophesied about it, he could not experience in his generation because the sinless blood of God himself had not been shed. They were in right standing with God. But they did not have the righteous, the very righteousness of God has theirs through the new birth and through the eternal life. How many of y'all know we now, through Christ Jesus, we now have the very nature of God dwelling in our reborn spirits. The very purity of heaven dwells on the inside of each and every one of us who are born again. We are who God says we are. Not how you feel. We've got to separate ourselves from our feelings if we're going to experience what God wants us to experience going forward. That's why revelation and studying the word of God along these lines, it brings you into fellowship with who you really are in Christ. And this is the only way it happens. Through Revelation. Paul got it through Revelation. Everything that Paul wrote in the book of Galatians in terms of uh, the revelation of uh, who we are in Christ, those things were given to him because he, he, he connected the old covenant with the new covenant. And he was bold enough to preach it wherever he went. Even some of the, um, the apostles they did not really have an understanding of what we're, we're reading here tonight to the degree that they should have. I think the, the Apostle Peter said some of the things Paul writes, they're kind of hard to understand <laughs> on righteousness because they, 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 they were learning. Close in verse 26. To declare, I say... At this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, God might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So we've been redeemed through God's righteousness, through faith in Christ, and God has justified us just as if somebody said, just as if we've never sinned. Okay, that's going, that's going to do it for the night. Um, this is, is a uh, beginning uh, teaching. I think we're going to be, probably be in this for quite a, quite a while because there's so much to grasp and understand in terms of God's righteousness.
And I believe one, once we're finished with this teaching, we'll begin to walk in more boldness. Because we'll walk in more understanding of what God has done through Christ. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you glory and praise. And we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, as we study along these lines, my prayer is that we would begin to get revelation concern, more revelation concerning, first of all, who we are in Christ. And God, what you have done for us through the shedding of the blood of Christ, through the power of his resurrection. And that the, breath, the breastplate of righteousness would not just be a slogan, but it would be something, God, that we really value and that we actually use in warfare against the enemy. And Father, as we walk in this revelation, as we walk in this victory, we'll give you all the glory and the praise for every manifestation of your spirit in our lives. Every time we're healed, every time prosperity manifests itself in our lives, every time deliverance is manifested, we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.